This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you think about a good woman, are you talking about a good woman with a good heart, good soul, good character? Are you talking about a woman that looks good? There are some women that you can't trust. I'm talking about that deep work, that real work. A men's therapist in the space, an author, a father, a husband, and now he's here today on Hardly Initiated. Welcome, Paul Williams. Welcome to the platform, my brother. What did I do wrong and why is she choosing somebody else? I hear brothers that cheat say that all the time. I'm pulling away from my marriage and now I'm talking to this person. You shouldn't be vulnerable with women. I've even heard it go as far as like women don't really truly ever love a man. My response was angry. Like, yo, fuck that. <laughs> like, you don't deserve that. Just to be clear, dear future wife, no male best friends, all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's a, but that's a boundary. I mean, isn't a guy best friend the same threat as a work husband? Yo, I'm really struggling with this. Dangerous. Welcome to Harley Initiated. It is your host, Tyshawn Jackson, here with another episode with my co-host, Ryan Ketchins. So the episodes have been incredible lately, but my thing is the the fellas, they're like, yo, we need more content. We yes. need more good messages that's going to feed us. Yeah. So we had to do something special. So this one is yeah. for the brothers. All right. So brothers, lean in. And ladies, yeah, you stay. Come in here. You need to watch too. <laughs> right? the, lady, the lady's going to be here regardless, so that's not even a question. That, that's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. But we got to take care of the brothers, and we're doing it with the right brother right here because this brother here has been working with men. I'm talking about that deep work, that real work. A men's therapist in the space, an author, a father, a husband, and now he's here today on Hardly Initiated, and we're about to get it in. Welcome. Paul Williams, welcome to the platform, my brother. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, fellas. Let's yes. have this conversation. Let's yeah, have man. this conversation, man. Yeah, you've been listen, you've been doing some great work. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to have you down here in Atlanta here with us. And um, we're we gonna address some things going on in the space because obviously, me being a brother that's single myself, mm-hmm. I'm surrounded. I got a ton of not just the listeners that reach out to us via email and DM, but just even my peers. I know what the thoughts are. Right. of the brothers right. is oh you can speak for the people for sure yes <laughs> for sure i know what the thoughts of the brothers is and the reality is is a, a lot of single men aren't having the most healthy thoughts surrounding mm-hmm. love and relationships right right and it's for a number of reasons right With what we've seen in the media you know what we probably experienced growing up and this has caused brothers to have a, a just an unhealthy disposition right and relationship with relationships so you might hear brothers say things like, listen, whether because it was a relationship he had with a woman, I could never trust a woman again. Right. Or you just can't trust women. You shouldn't be vulnerable with women. You should like you women. I've even heard it go as far as like women don't really truly ever love a man. Mm-hmm. Right. No such like, thing as unconditional love. 
Like all of yeah. these things around the psyche, around how a man is viewing a woman. And I can tell that would affect the way he can really connect with her. So if we talking to the brother that is in this space where he just doesn't trust the woman or is having trust issues mm -hmm. with women in general, how do we, how do you come back from that? The first thing I want to do is validate. A lot of men are challenged or they're told that what they feel isn't real. When I see a lot of different debates online, I say there's a lot of truth out there. Yeah, there are some women that you can't trust. Mm. Yeah, there's some women who are playing the game, right? But that doesn't mean that's all women are doing that. So what do I need for myself in order to trust myself to be vulnerable enough to experience different relationships and identify, okay, this is a woman that I can't trust. This is not going to be a safe relationship for me, but I know that there's another woman out there. Because we lose hope, and we categorize every woman to be the same. It used to be like that for men, like all men are dogs, all men are this, all men are that. Now the shift is all women are this. But if we really look at data, we just look outside that not every woman is like that. We just have to find the right woman, but we also have to be, be the right man. So what work are you doing on yourself? Are you holding on to that fear? Are you holding on to those bad experiences? Are they dictating how you're showing up in this world? Are they dictating how you're showing up in relationships? Do they prevent you from even giving an opportunity to kind of shift your thought process around, okay, a healthy relationship is possible, but also a healthy relationship is not a perfect relationship. Because I'm still going to have to work once I get in a relationship. People think that I did all this work by myself, but now I'm in a relationship, so everything should be perfect. Mm. No, there's another level of healing, another level of exploratory uh, factors that happen once you get in a relationship. Because you're dealing with somebody who has years of experience that's just, they're not you. Yeah. So how do you navigate and communicate some of your challenges, some of your strengths? The, the conversation between couples that I see a lot of times they're saying the same thing, they just don't have the same language. It's a lot of different uh, aspects that come into these relationships that a lot of us men, we really have to do some identity work and some self work. Yeah. Uh, and be able to challenge a lot of narratives that are out there and say that I wanna be different, so I have to be different. If I want a different relationship, I have to show up different. And you know, so, so I wanna bring that down to earth a little bit so we can get some clarity because a good example, took a family trip, down to Orlando, we riding down like it was like we actually drove this time. I haven't took a long car drive in a long time, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I actually appreciated this time. Mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of it was actually relaxing. Yeah. So I'm in there with um, my mom's uh, husband. My mom uh, remarried about seven, six years ago. Okay. And uh, we actually connected in there. He's telling me his story, and um, he what, what he's communicated that in his first marriage, some things happened where he had trust issues with women after that first marriage. Yeah. And he said, it took me, this is literally what he said. He said, Todd, it took me about 15 years before I could ever trust a woman mm -hmm. again. Insane. Mm -hmm. 15 years before I could ever trust a woman again. Mm -hmm. So when I heard that, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Now, yeah. is it because, does do some men just naturally take longer to trust? Or is there things that he could have done more intentionally to speed up that, uh, that, that, that pace of his ability to build trust again with women? So it's both, but I will say this, that inability to trust and to recover started in his childhood. If you think about a young boy that falls down, what do they say? Get up, you don't hurt, you don't feel anything, stop crying. So my lifetime is built around not really dealing with what I'm feeling. What does that do? I start to avoid. So instead of dealing with the trust issues, instead of dealing with the pain, the wound that happened that caused the trust issues, I'm just operating life, avoiding it. Until some point where I say, you know what? I do want a relationship, so I have to face it. So it took him 15 years because he has all this lifetime of growing up as a young man, as a young boy, a teenager, whatever, until he got to the point was, okay, I am a certain such age. I really need to do this. I want to have a relationship. I want to be able to trust. I want to be able to have this conversation to say, I'm afraid, right? Because you have to be very vulnerable and transparent to say, to get what you want. So, so it wasn't that specific relationship. 
it was, I guess that was the icing on the cake. It was right. all the other things that he had experienced prior. Right, right. Okay, okay. So the situation, you get hurt by a woman, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Tyshawn's stepfather did. Where do you go in that situation after you get hurt? Because I'm thinking, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my friends. Mm -hmm. But it's certain things I just cannot imagine that if it would have happened between me and a woman, like a woman cheating on me or maybe some high level of disrespect, I just cannot imagine sitting down and bringing that to my friend or my parent or really anybody. So where, where do you go? Come to therapy. Okay. <laughs> I okay. mean, that's one option. But if you have a, a, a real secure relationship with your homeboy, that's somebody you can trust. We're like, yo, I'm really struggling with this. Can I trust you with this? I mean, you've developed that before you even brought it to him mm -hmm. um, or to a parent. And I, I, I'll be very transparent and personal. My whole book was started from being cheated on in college. Wow. Yeah. So I was Ooh. a basketball player. I was kind of popular on the team. Um, it was a PWI. So it's a lot of tension, right? But I was faithful. My girl was back home in, in Maryland. I was in Tennessee. And then she came to school and cheated. Like, I had every opportunity to be unfaithful that first semester. Like, everybody knew everybody. Came to the school and cheated. I said, from that point on, I'm not being in a relationship. Mm. But I still had those emotions because I was a relationship guy. So what I did was write. Anytime I got close to somebody, I'll pull back and write that emotion on a, on a piece of paper. I would journal. I would blog. I'm still dealing with the emotion. I'm just not giving it to a woman. But at some point, once I got out of college... It's like, all right, I want something different. But I was able to explore that. And I did have close friends that I could talk to. We, we talked about relationships. I was Again, I was a relationship guy, so I was giving everybody else advice and stuff like that. <laughs> right. But I just wasn't getting it together. Um, I dealt with those emotions, and I had somebody to go to. That's what we need. We need those safe spaces. And when I conduct uh, different groups, a lot of men, they need the space, and they say, we love this space. Like, we have this space we can talk about relationship. We can be vulnerable, transparent. Nobody's judging each other, so we can talk about what we're experiencing. How do I bounce back from infidelity, right? Do I want to continue this relationship? Because when you're dealing with inf infidelity, especially with men, it's a lot of ego. What did I do wrong, and why is she choosing somebody else? And that attacks the manhood. Mm. Because mm -hmm. their identity is wrapped in the performance. And that's ego? You're saying that's, ego. if you think, what did I do wrong, that's ego. Mm -hmm. That's ego. That's the wound. That's manhood. Like, what did I do wrong or what does somebody else? It's the comparative spirit, right? What am I, what does he have that I don't? Mm. And then they're replaying those moments, right? Right. If somebody's in, infidelity, somebody's a woman's cheating, their idea of like, okay, now I have to picture my woman with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So they struggle with that for a long time. I know people, um, men that I work with who maybe got cheated on at 13 and still haven't recovered. Still haven't recovered. And they're trying to process, okay, now these, these you can't trust these women. I remember that time I was 13, man. I was, bro, you was 13. Let's let's talk about what happened, what that <laughs> how that made you feel, but let's 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 really process it, and not just make it a story. Because mm. you're still holding on to your 13 year old self, and thinking that you're dating a 13 year old woman, mm. instead of having a conversation when you feel insecurities, when you feel that somebody's doing something that doesn't doesn't feel right, have the conversation. Okay, so you talk about creating a safe space, or or rather a man should be able to have this safe space. So if I'm on the opposite end and I'm the friend that's attempting to create the safe space, because I've had the opportunity before and um, to kind of give you an idea, and I, I know I wasn't doing this right now, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> but uh, I had, um, you know, a guy that, you know, I'm close with and he, I would say, considers us, you know, mentors. And um, he shared with us a situation about his relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was some massive levels of disrespect. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being so pissed at, like, I was pissed. Like, it happened to me. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I responded. My response was angry. Like, yo, fuck that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you don't deserve that. Right. Like, right. I'm like, I'm like, you this and all this stuff you done did. And she going to go out and do all this. And I just pretty much went in. I remember Tyshawn looking at me like, oh. I don't know about that one, <laughs> yeah. but cause he knew I was very upset, yeah. you know? 
And now that I think back on that, and, you know, fortunately, he's still in his relationship and everything, and they've advanced past that, you know. Uh, but I'm telling you, Ryan was, was detailing bullet point by bullet point how, why he needs to leave, yeah. how he needs to leave, <laughs> when he needs to leave, what happens if he doesn't leave. Like, it was these yeah. eloquent speeches around why he needs yeah. to leave his girl. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a homie. And I know, yeah. and the thing is, as men, it's like when your fellow comrade gets sure hurt, him, yeah. Is like man, you really feel feel it. Yeah. So I don't need you to tell me I did wrong because I know I did wrong, right? I don't know. You you think so? I don't think maybe the approach was wrong, but he needed to hear that part. Wow, right? Because somebody needs encouragement to re again. I'm encouraging somebody to have the necessary conversation. Mm. When I work with husbands, sometimes we sit back, we sit back and just observe. Like that's that's my wife. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, so I'm just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. We need to check that. We need to have a, a mature conversation that said, this doesn't feel good. As long as you keep doing this, this is causing me harm and this is causing me to disconnect. So if we want to have a safe and a healthy relationship, we need to shift how we're operating with each other. And maybe your delivery was off, but your delivery was, it had the right content, but maybe it was just too forceful. But I don't know your relationship with him either. So I don't right. know how y'all talk outside. So it, it, it could have been like, yo, I need to hear that. Like, so mm. that that maybe it wasn't the encouragement to leave, but it was the encouragement to have the necessary conversation. Well, see, that's the thing, especially with that conversation in particular with that brother. See, me, I'm more, especially with conflict, you know, con conflicts like that. And, you know, somebody, which at that point, by the way, wife. I was his wife, not just mm. a girlfriend. Okay. Right? Yeah. Right. So... I like to take more of a Socratic approach to the situation, you know? So instead of me telling you exactly what it is, I'm hoping that I'm gonna take you through a line of questioning <laughs> that's gonna allow you to come up with this yourself, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Now, especially again, when it's your wife, mm -hmm. right? And so you got a commitment there. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is what started to happen with that brother in particular is he started to actually close off and tell us less. Right. So that's what that's what the downfall of certain approaches- That's exactly what happened. With certain people too so you got to kind of know the temperaments of who you're dealing mm -hmm. with because eventually he just stopped opening up to us all together yeah. and all of right. a sudden everything was all good right yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. so like yeah what's going on with that situation that happened last week we're working it out right so you know brother's now closing up and now that's even dangerous for him because if he's getting his head beat in at home and now he feels like he can't even talk to his homies big brother's mentors no outlets right. then he has no outlets yeah. And that's what I mean. It's about the approach. I, again, I don't know your relationship. Now you're talking about you're adding the, the fact that, that that's his wife. Right. Mm. So what that's that, what okay. does that change? It's a different level of commitment. Um, you have invested into a marriage. Right. Like you said I do. And you're saying that this is the rest of my life. So there's a deeper investment than just somebody you're, just, you're dating or even a long term relationship. Uh, when you divorce, there's so many different things, legalities that go into it. But there's also the failure idea of I failed my marriage. I failed in my marriage. So you're dealing with that shame of that as well. So it's a lot more layers, a lot, a lot of different things that are happening within the marriage. And you have to consider that when I walk away, then I'm disrupting a family. I'm disrupting a legacy. So do I want to go through all of that? So those are the questions with that. So if, I, if I'm in a relationship, even if I have an apartment together or a house together, I'll just go through the process, but I can start all over. I don't have to deal with the legalities of it. I don't have to deal with all the other things. So it's another layer of commitment when you actually say, I do. You have people who invested in your marriage. You have people at the wedding. You have the people who are uh, you've added to your family yeah. on their side. There's, there's, there's way more invested when you talk about marriage. You know, so... When we, because we, we right now we're talking in the family of of men that's having these trust issues, right? And the thoughts of you know these women are unloyal, all these things start happening. These these are all thoughts that we're addressing, which is good. And I want to ask because it's one thought that I also hear a lot of men say, especially even women too. But talking about the men here, when men start thinking, man, it's no good women out here, right? I can't. It's, it's look, whether it's they blame it on their city, their mm -hmm. college. You know, whatever the, 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 the scarcity, whatever might be causing it or they think is causing it, that's just where they are. Mm -hmm. Is that all stemming from the same 
place? Like, is it the same cure for that? Or is this something unique about believing in scarcity around finding good good women in particular? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's parts of that. And I also think about your lens. Like, what do you see? When you think about a good woman, are you talking about a good woman with a good heart, good soul, good character? Or are you talking about a woman that looks good? Right. Mm. If you if your idea of your lens, you're on social media, you're on TV, and you see this woman that looks that has everything that you want physically, and then you go after her, but you didn't pay attention to character, then there's no good woman. But maybe it's a woman that that doesn't look like that that magazine fold that you had on your uh, wall growing up, but she's more down to earth. Right. And she doesn't look the same. She doesn't have the body that you desire, that you've lusted after. But she has good character. You know, that friend that you're really ignoring, that you go to for advice about your relationship. Mm. Mm. That friend that you go to advice about, should I date this girl? Should I should I pursue this? Should I pursue this in my career? You're ignoring her because she's the homie. Right. And I'm not saying, you know, we talk about the later, the emotional mistress and emotional masters, but. If you're not in a connected relationship and you you trust somebody who shows you good character, gives you good advice, what what makes you not explore that? Because if you trust her, that's a good woman right there. Maybe she's not your type, and I, I get it, but that's a good woman. You have there's evidence of good women. Maybe you're just not attracted to the ones that that you consider good. Mm. And that's interesting. Mm. So that's a, a palette yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we talked about that last night. We did talk about, but you just can't, you kind of just breezed over this thing, like emotional mistress and emotional mm-hmm. mastery. What exactly is that? So an emotional mistress, and I think about, like if I'm at work and there's somebody that I can trust and I start talking to about my, my marriage, or maybe even before that, like we're just cool. We're just having conversations with safe. You know, we joke, we start to build a, a, a bond. We talk about stuff. And then later on, you know, we have conversations outside of work. Uh, and then I start to talk about my marriage. So now that because I'm having challenges in my marriage, I go to the safer space. Mm. Mm. So start now I'm starting to develop a relationship that's, okay, I'm pulling away from my marriage, and now I'm talking to this person. Mm. Dangerous. Right. And so she becomes the emotional mistress. Becomes a physical mistress very soon after right. that, right? But my, my <laughs> emotions are safe with her because I don't know how to communicate with my wife. Right. Yeah. And it starts to get deeper. And then I start to make less effort towards communicating to my wife. And the same thing happens with women, the work husband. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember I wrote on my Facebook a long time ago, dear future wife, ain't no work husband. Right. <laughs> right. If you if you don't feel safe with me, we need to figure that part out because I don't want my wife going to talk to another man. And oh, you, you, you know, oh, yeah. Let me just tell you, man, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Okay, he starts to slide in. Y'all start having more time, and y'all on social media sending each other stuff. Now y'all hanging out. Y'all sending emails. Did you check this out? And you become the emotional mistress, the emotional mistress, and then eventually it becomes deeper. And then the person outside of your marriage expects more because now their concept is that they trust me more than they trust their partner. Mm. I'm safer than their partner. And then they start to develop these ideas that maybe I'm supposed to be the one for them. The other concept is sometimes the mistress or the mistress is helping sustain the marriage. Wow. People don't really understand that concept because if I'm in a, a marriage that's really struggling, right, mm-hmm. and I go get my reprieve, that gives me more um, ammo to go back and deal with with my marriage. I hear brothers that cheat say that all the time. Yeah, help me stay, help me love my wife more. Yeah, I hear hear the cheat say that. Right. (laughs) Instead of really dealing with your marriage, like we need to have, get that third person, whether it's a a therapist, a coach, get that person in to help you instead of this person that neither, that your wife doesn't know or your husband doesn't know that's giving you the feedback that's really pulling you away from your marriage. So I'm happy you brought up that emotional, that, that work husband because is it, I think this is the biggest thing guys have, the issue guys have with the, the guy best friend. Mm-hmm. Because isn't that the same thing? Isn't a guy best friend the same threat as a work husband? It really depends. So I, it really depends on the dynamic of the, the relationship. So when you say husband, right, best friend, husband, mm-hmm. the connotation already 
is like, wait a minute. Like, what do you mean husband? Right. Like, why is there another me? Right. <laughs> and you, like, why do you go to work? You have a whole nother relationship where you're committed to this person. You, you feel comfortable enough to call him your work husband. But see, they say, but in a relationship, a good relationship, we got to be friends first. So the, the, at the end of the day, that friendship allows for the openness to speak and to communicate and to go back and forth. And especially something special about the best friend. You know, I like when you got the, the guy best friend, mm -hmm. because typically the best friend is where it's probably most vulnerable and mm -hmm. where you open up to most. Like that's where the most, you know, information comes out. So <laughs> see you, you, you see the movement yeah, yeah, because yeah. That's, it's not it's not really moving like that after a while for real, for real, because it can get crazy. So don't you think that's a would you be upset? If a man also has that same conviction, well, no, there is no God, God best friends. Is that unreasonable or is that is that fair? Yeah, I, I, so yeah, to say, to go to what you're saying, if I don't know my wife's best friend who is a man, then they can't be best friends. Right. Because what is my role? If I have a woman best friend, when we first met, I have, two best friends, um, my boy Aaron and then my homegirl Emily. I know Emily, she was my, since sixth grade. So we grew up together. So we know each other. But we're all cool now. She's no longer my best friend. She's close, she's an associate. She's cool. Like, we all hang out, we go on trips together. There's no boundaries that are broken. If I were to say that Emily is still my best friend and my wife doesn't know who she is or I don't give access to her, then that's a threat. Why am I keeping that from my wife? The same thing, if my wife had a male best friend, we're gonna explore that. Why is he your best friend and why don't I have access to him? Or why doesn't he have access to me? And why do he have so much access to you that he's your best friend? Mm. What is that about? We're not having the necessary conversations and we also need to set those boundaries again if, if he's your best friend, he's our best friend. <laughs> he's our best friend. But, you know, that's unrealistic because I don't, I'm not going to have your best friend as my best friend. So, again, relationships need to shift as you get closer and closer to the person that you're with. Well, I ain't mad at either way. So just, just to be clear, dear future wife, no male best friend. Facts. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, that's a, but that's a boundary. I mean, that's a boundary. Yeah. But you're very clear on that. So you're not having a conversation and, I, again, I think a lot of men, we wait until we minimize how we're feeling. So men go into these relationships and say, well, she got a male best friend. All right, I'm going to just let it ride. Knowing deep down that it's bothering them. Hmm. Then they wait, then they wait, and then something happens, and then you explode. When you could have had a conversation early on, because now she's defensive, well, you've been knew that. Why didn't you say that when we first started talking? Hmm. And you should have. Yeah, no, this relationship bad. is development. What does that look like when we, once we get exclusive? How does he remain your best friend? Right. Mm -hmm. Have those exploratory conversations before you have to get upset and get mad and, and try to stop something that you could have had a conversation about a long time ago. Yeah, the, the masters and the mistress just, I mean, relationship killers. Yeah. Right. And, you know, statistically, divorce rates are high and it's heavily promoted. And what we hear a lot of is, you know, women are extremely unhappy in these relationships, which causes them to, you know, file for divorce, mm -hmm. right? Statistically speaking. Now, my thing about that is I, I don't think it's only women that are unhappy in these relationships. Mm -hmm. So just your general perspective, okay? Um, and I guess it's an assumption. How many men would you say th that you speak to that come to you that just like unhappy? in their marriage and how long have they been unhappy relative to how long they've been married? Mm, you got me telling on clients. Um, <laughs> but, it, but this is an important conversation because a lot of times even men and, and uh, husbands didn't realize they needed to have their voice, right? They needed to, to express their happiness, uh, unhappiness. Um, we, I talk a lot about giving yourself permission to say what you need. A lot of men that are in these marriages that are unhappy are unhappy because they haven't communicate, communicated in a healthy way what they don't want, what they don't like, and what's not working for them. Again, they sit back because I'm the provider. I'm supposed to do this, put my head down, go to work, bring the money in. And if she has an attitude, I just avoid it 
and that's what it is. And then I start to pull back because I'm not communicating because she doesn't listen. But we need to have the, again, the healthy conversation. We need to be able to ex express ourselves. So a lot of men are really struggling in their marriages because they don't have the tools and the communication to say what they're really feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that make you feel when she's on her phone all day? How does that make you feel when she comes home and she's talking to her homegirls and they may be going through something and that's all she talks about? How does that make you feel when you're not as intimate as you need to be? How does that make you feel when you want to be exploratory when it comes to intimacy? How does that make you feel when you're struggling because you're going through something that's really upsetting you, that's really causing you some anxiety, it's causing you some depression, but you're not given a space to say, I feel down today because she's saying suck it up or because society has told you that's what you're supposed to do. Like, can you create that safe space within yourself to say, I don't have it today. I'm really struggling. So in most cases, when these relationships, when there's a, a woman unhappy, she files for divorce, 100% of the time, the man is also unhappy. Yeah, I mean, if, if she's unhappy, so two things are happening. They're not having a necessary conversation, but if one person is happy, it's a guarantee the other person is unhappy as well. Because there's no way that a man is happy, he's just blindsided by, what do you mean you're unhappy? Mm. There's no way that I've, I have not seen where a man just figures out that she's unhappy unless this woman has already planned her exit, right? There's something that's missing within that relationship dynamic that somebody's not communicating. So there's parts of unhappiness that we all have in relationships that we're not communicating, but until we communicate that things, because she might say, well, I'm unhappy about this too. Well, why don't we talk about that? Like I get couples that have been married 20 years that come to me and we're addressing something that happened on their first date. Insane. On their first date, because one person has said, well, that's just how that person is. I want to have this relationship. They have all these characteristics. So let me just allow this to happen. I'm going to avoid a conversation. But it's building. The resentment is there. And once we talk about it, and I ask, well, why didn't you talk about that in the first, the first date when it first came up? I didn't think that was a big of a deal. Is it to not too late at that point? Because, you know, I know... I know it would be different. Like if you set the tone from the front, you establishing boundaries, you communicating, you being open and vulnerable. But I mean, after you've been married for four, five, ten years, and now you finally get the courage and the motivation to express yourself as a man. Hey, I don't like when you're using the phone like that. Hey, I'm not a fan of these particular friends you have and these different things. Isn't it too late at that point? Because like I'm thinking, it's, you already have a history of kind of being ran over or disrespected or you know, not setting boundaries. So, I mean, I just can't imagine a woman responding very kindly to these new, the new you, so to speak. I don't know if it's responding kindly, but it's never too late. Mm. In, in the cases that I've had, a woman may say, why didn't you just say that? I never knew this. Mm. I thought it was okay. I thought this was our dynamic. And they made the changes. We just spoke at a conference a couple uh, months ago and a couple came to me that I think they were married 30 something years and said, it's something that I said inside the session that said, this changed my marriage. We've been married 35 years. <laughs> wow. It's the, it's the unspoken expectations. It's also the things that are held within that causes resentment and that we feel like we can't touch because we've been in a marriage so long and this is just our routine, our dynamic, but we're tired, exhausted, compassion fatigue. Now I can show up different because I released this thing I've been holding on. But you know, it's interesting because as it relates to divorce, mm -hmm. right? Two unhappy people together, women typically file for divorce. And you know, I wanna hear your thoughts on that because some people will say, well, that's because women are incentivized to file for divorce because at divorce, you know, divorce benefits women more than men. You know, others will just say that's because men just don't wanna quit. Like men are more likely to not wanna have take on that failure or perceived failure of the marriage, mm -hmm. you know, going down. But what, what have you found? Why is it that a man is willing to stay unhappy in a relationship for a long time? And it's typically the woman that will have to jump in and end it. Again, it goes back to that childhood rearing of suck it up, deal with it. This is just how life is. The lessons that we're taught as, as children 
permeate and continue to um, push us to think that this is how life is supposed to be. We're supposed to suffer. We're supposed to endure. Right? We're not supposed to have a voice. We're supposed to be quiet and just let life happen. Right? A lot of men don't speak until it's time to yell. And that's why the recovery process, even in a breakup, initially a man is going out like, I'm just avoiding, I'm going out, I'm going out and partying. And then once those emotions hit, now he's suffering. Now he's dealing with depression, anxiety, he's realizing that he lost and that, that you know, the, the relationship is over. Women deal with that emotion right then and there. And a lot of times in marriages too, men don't deal with these emotions that they're feeling within the marriage. So if I don't deal with the emotions within the marriage, how do I know it's time to leave? How will I know it's time to leave if I'm not dealing with how I'm feeling? You're not even addressing none of I'm the I'm not issues. addressing. Mm. She's trying to address it, just talking, but now it's too much for him to bear to even hear that. Okay, what do you want me to do? Because now it becomes performative. You want me to change? I change this. I could do this. This uh, knock it on the list. You want me to come home at a certain time? I do that. Re- realizing that that's when the, the okay, I, I didn't never heard that. So performative, as in like that's when the man is just doing whatever the wife wants. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. Right. Which. I would imagine just takes it further down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So now it's just like, well, I did everything that she told me to do. It's like a job. Mm. I'm doing everything she told me to do. And she's still unhappy. I can't please her. You know, I never thought about how that started, but that, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, it starts from just, you know, much, I guess an extended period of neglect. Mm-hmm. And then when you finally want to address it, rather than going to the root, you just say, hey, whatever you want, I'll go ahead and do mm-hmm. it. Because mm. it's, we're taught to self-neglect because that's where it is. You talk about neglect. I th- a lot of men, we talk about self-neglect and the d- different things that we avoid, we don't address within ourselves. And so now we're participating in neglect that others are giving us because it's normal for us. When do I say, you know what, I- I'm, I'm neglecting myself. You're neglecting me. We need to have a conversation. I need more from you. Like, if I'm doing all these things, we need to meet somewhere. How can I show up differently? How can you show up differently? Like, let's do this together. It's not just me. You you giving me a, a checklist, and I'm knocking it out, and I'm thinking it's okay. Because now she's like, well, you're just doing it because I said you did it. Mm. Well, that's what you said. What so, does a woman really feel about that? When a man, you know, adopts this performative role, how does that affect her psyche? Like, what is she thinking now of that man? That's where she says man is not emotional. Because you're just performative. You're just checking the boxes. But I need more. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm bringing home, you know, money. I'm, I'm taking you here. I'm taking you there. But there's no emotion connected to it. There's no thought process behind it. It's just, okay, this is what you need me to do. I'm doing it. There's really no connection in that. Mm. Man, that's interesting. You know, what I'm hearing is, is interesting because, you know, I hear, I've heard a lot of brothers come up in here. A lot of married men come up on here. And um, just even a part of just manhood, there is this aspect of suffer. Like there is this some aspect of we do have to suffer as men. And when I say suffer, I mean struggle. I mean, you know, strive through this pain to get and build just about everything we want to build in life, whether Mm -hmm. it's business, whether it's family, whether it's this. And here you have it saying like we're, we're taught to suffer and to struggle which also can be a downfall. Mm-hmm. So what is the too much suffer? Like, right? Like how do we, what's the threshold on this? Because mm-hmm. I, I would never tell a brother don't expect a life not to suffer. That, that's, that comes with it. You want a nice body? You have to suffer. Right. Want to build a big business? You have to suffer. Want a big family? It, it just kind of is what it is. So what is that threshold, that fine dance where a brother will know, all right, brother, that's too much suffering yeah. <laughs> right there, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Right. But this is the this is a healthy amount of suffering to actually build and get to where you're trying to go. I think we also got to change the language. Like I, I get it, we do suffer, but I think sacrifice is a better language. Like okay. I have to sacrifice something in order to get something. Like I got to put in the work in order to get this. Like I'm trying to get back in shape right now, so I can't have Popeyes for a minute. Right. right. That's 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 what I have to do. Um, I also have to get up early. I have to do these different things that I would normally, I would not do. Like I want to sleep in. I can't, I got to go to the gym. That's sacrifice. Is it suffering? Probably in the middle of it. Like I'm really struggling, but I have a goal. 
But I know where my threshold is. I know when I say enough is enough. I'm not going to kill myself trying to get back to my 20-year-old body. I just know that's not attainable, mm. especially with everything else going on. Do I consider everything else on my streamline? Am I straight focused on this one goal and I'm ignoring all the other things that I need? We can tell men there's a process of attaining something and you have to sacrifice. You have to go through different things in your life in order to obtain it. When you're in a relationship, in order to have a healthy relationship, you're going to have to have hard conversations. There's going to be times where you're going to be disappointed. Right? There's going to be times where you need to speak up. There's going to be times where you need to let your ego go. There's going to be times when you have to let her have her way. There's going to be times that you need to have your way. There's the sacrifice is what is the betterment of the relationship? Like, let's take us out. Like, I, 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 when I see couples... I always say there's a triangle, right? There's a, a man on one side, a woman on the other side, and we're getting to the top. Like, we're all contributing to that top of that triangle. Not everything that I want is going to be at that top of the triangle as I'm going up that triangle, mm. right? Is that okay? Or do you want to stay on your side and be selfish and have your ego there, right? We have to give up some things to get what we want. Like, it's a process. But again, you don't want to beat yourself up. You don't want to neglect yourself. You have to speak up and saying this is too much because a lot of times when we get into relationships, we allow things to happen so often and so much. Right. We have to blame ourselves. We have to take the responsibility. Mm. You know, I, I've seen a lot of relationships, especially talking to a lot of the brothers here. Man, big shout out to the brothers that follow the channel. We got some really dope, mature brothers that actually tune in to Harley Initiated. But a lot of them, the reason they even got into because brothers not typically just going to learn about being a being a better boyfriend, husband, a man, you know, being a better general. man. And yeah. mm -hmm. That's usually not the first thing they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out how to get some money, right. you know, maybe how to get some sex, you right. know, just right. really just how to feed the things that we want out the gate. So a lot of the guys that have come here, they come here because they, they took some licks mm -hmm. in these relationships. Now they're trying to figure it out. Many of, many of them even have experienced a ton of disrespect in their relationship. That's a lot of it. And... Mm -hmm. You know, it's as a man, you know, seeing a woman start at one point and then end up at a place where you're now getting absolutely disrespected in this relationship catches some brothers off guard. Mm -hmm. But in your experience, because obviously you, you've counseled a ton of brothers, couples, just in general, you've seen it, the spectrum. How does that typically happen, that progression from we had a nice, sweet first date and now years later, this brother's in here getting disrespected on a regular mm -hmm. basis in this relationship. What typically are the things that's causing that progression in that relationship? Not speaking up. Because there's always signs of the disrespect. It might be subtle. You might minimize it. It didn't hurt that bad. Mm. Okay. And we start to pull away. It starts to get more loud, right? More aggressive, right? As the time goes on, Again, the resentment is building. The behaviors are building. She's getting more comfortable with the disrespect. It's become the relationship dynamic and the norm of how you guys operate within each other. And so now it's more pronounced. And what am I doing? I'm now beating myself up because I'm allowing this to happen. Some men stay in relationships because they're beating themselves up because I can't believe I'm allowing this to happen. Like really struggling. Like why are you still allowing that to happen? Man, it's been going on so long, I'm used to it. Mm. I'm used to it. So what would happen if you say something? It would disrupt how we're doing it. I know I can take it, then, then I can go and do what I want to do. So they, they, they get into relationships or they get into spaces where they're being disrespected, being harmed, and they can sustain themselves because, again, we talk about suffering, we talk about the cycles, we talk about how we're taught, and then I, I'll take enough just to find some peace in some other areas. Like, she's going to go and she's going to disrespect me. I'm going to deal with it. And then I'm going to go have a drink. I'm going to go with my homeboys. I'm going to go play the PlayStation. I'm going to go whatever they do to kind of self-soothe. Like, there's nothing wrong with self-soothing if it's in a healthy way. But mm. self-soothing shouldn't be escaping what you need to address. Mm. So, I think... Um a lot of the, the guys that we speak to, it is also, uh, along with that, the self-soothing, right? It's also confidence mm -hmm. issues as well and a scarcity mindset. And it seems like, um, you know, a lot of them say I'm working on myself, which 
Maybe some of them are, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think the working on myself could also be an excuse to just being so terrified of seeking other options, mm -hmm. you know? So if you were to speak to a man who's basically, you know, in so many words, he's communicating to you, I'm terrified of even talking to a woman, approaching them, getting rejected, all of the above. What does he need to address to be able to get the bravado to now step back into the date marketplace or to now be able to have the confidence that, you know, it's other options, you know, other women with redeemable qualities that might be available to him. The first thing we want to address the wound, like because the wound is preventing you from really um, jumping out there. So how bad did that hurt? What did that feel like? What was happening? What's happening with you? Why is it disrupting the opportunities, your confidence? Why is that? Why are you allowing that to lead? Where is that fear coming from? And embrace vulnerability. Like vulnerability is a strength. I think we, again, we go into relationships afraid of vulnerability when vulnerability is freedom. Like as long as I'm sharing what, what bothers me, what hurts me, I'm giving people the real identity of me. Why am I afraid to share that with someone? They may abuse it, but that's also showing them who they are, showing me who they are. So that's letting me know that you don't deserve access to me. Again, we wait too long to share these things. So if you're really struggling, and I'll look in the camera, if you lack the self-confidence, what about yourself that you're afraid to show to others? We don't have to wait so long in order to say, you know, this bothers me, this hurts me, I don't like that. We can move on, we can recover, because a lot of people don't know how to recover, relationship right. recover. A lot of people don't know how, like they just get stuck in that. Yeah. Um, they need the tools to really address that. How do you know, like, but if, you, if you're in that situation, is there any level of self-reflection that needs to happen? Like, because if things started out one way and got this way, I get there's one aspect of, yo, I need to have some standards. I need to get up out of here. I'm being disrespected. But is there not also this, what did I do to potentially get us here? Like, do, how do you process that to make sure it's a situation that, uh, is this recoverable or do I get up out of here? Especially for a brother who's married and in a commitment where just getting up out of here is not just the easiest thing. How should he process that? to know if he has any level of accountability in this disrespect. Right, and that's, I think that's the difference when I was saying before is sometimes we stay in relationships, we beat ourselves up because we think it's our fault that she's disrespecting us. Mm. We think it's our fault because I've been allowing this to happen so much that I can't backtrack. You can always backtrack and say, this is not, this is not working for me. So let's have a serious conversation about needs. And the need is for you not to disrespect me. Oh, you found your voice now. Yeah, so... What does that mean? I found my voice now. That's fine. I'm not going to entertain and get into the back and forth. First right? of all, that sounds like something. Right. You must have heard that one before. <laughs> right. You must have heard. Oh, so you, oh. So now. Well, I mean, so now. <laughs> when I seen that podcast, he was watching. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I, of course, I see that in couples therapy all the time. Like, I, I help men find their voices in their marriages. Right. Mm. In, in a respectful way. And I help women find their voices in marriage in a respectful way. Because everybody, so nobody's yelling at each other. So what you're really saying is your emotion is really taking over this moment and you're really screaming at the top of your lungs, but mm -hmm. you really want to be heard, but you're yelling and he can't hear you and she can't hear you. Yeah. Um, so but when you're in the, the marriage and when you're talking about, can I backtrack? Can I come back? Am I beating myself up? Yes, you're beating yourself up. So self-forgiveness for allowing things to happen. Okay. That's the practice. We don't, self, we don't forgive ourselves enough. So once I forgive myself, I can shift. And I say, you know what? The way this marriage has been going is not sustainable. You're not happy. I'm not happy. What are we going to do to put in the work? Right? It's a dual responsibility. It's not just one person. It's not just on the man to fix everything. Right? It's a dual responsibility. I always talk about that. It's a dual responsibility in relationships, not just one side. You know, we had a, we had a really good conversation um, it got, I, I would think it got kind of controversial at this point because I remember we had Dr. Spirit up here. That brother came on, and you know, Ryan, oh, gave, what was his name? I forgot what his name was, yeah. But Ryan gave him some feedback, and he said, Look, man, what you need to do, you need to go. He said, You need to start meditating, you need to get in the gym, you need to start journaling. And Dr. Spirit, 
which by the way, I love Dr. Spirit, but see, she right. kind of jumped in. She's like, she nah. was like, no, 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 no. Because all he gonna do, he doesn't have the wherewithal pretty much to journal down and know how to process what he's writing. He gonna be around a gym bros that's pretty mm -hmm. much dealing with the same nonsense and not gonna be able to help him process and so on and so forth. And then she kind of drew a line in between what's therapeutic and therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reality, the reality of the situation is most brothers are not in therapy. Mm -hmm. right. Whether they they not gonna be in therapy, they never gonna be in therapy. They are, you know, can't afford therapy. Whatever the situation might be. So, are those therapeutic activities able or capable to get you back whole without ever actually going to therapy? If you've been in that situation, no, not really. I mean, they contribute, but they're not the answer. I mean, if so, it's, it's a so look at it holistically. It's not just me going to the gym. It's not just me just going to therapy. Even when I have clients who need medication, right? It's a, it's a partnership. It's the medication and the therapy, therapy, right? But I'm also suggesting maybe you should go to the gym, right? Right? Maybe you should go outside and get some vitamin D stretch, right? Maybe you should go on a trip. Maybe you should um, journal. Maybe you should. I did a 31-day uh, self-care calendar for black men. And That's I just dope. had them exploring for 31 days, different things. Uh, go test drive the car that you always wanted. Go try on a suit. Go buy a tie. Um, get Yo, a massage. Genius. Right. Get a massage. Get a playlist. Put it in the car. Just ride out. Call your old homeboy up. Say, yo, you want to play a video game? I haven't played since college. Let's get on a video game. Both of y'all suck at this point, but it's fun, right? You're talking about old conversation. Call your homeboy up and just talk about some different things that you guys did way back in the day and just laugh. There's 31 days of exploring different things to do, meditation, going to church, whatever that is, for 31 days, find different things. And it kind of opens us up back up, right? Explore therapy. And we have to be more investigative when we're looking for a therapist because some men will come to therapy and be like, that ain't work. It's not going to happen the first session. Mm. You're not going to get all, all the answers you need the first session. And maybe that first therapist is not a good fit. It's like dating. You have to find, you have to give yourself permission to look for different therapists. And you have to be able to challenge your therapist. And also understand what you're looking for in therapy. And some men come into therapy like, I don't know, somebody told me to come. I need to, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I need to address. But, right. Got a group okay. on. Right. Right. <laughs> and there's this misconception about the affordability of therapists. I know some therapists have some high costs, but there's some free therapist uh, resources out there. Um, you contact therapists online. They might direct you to someone else. Uh, you can go through your insurance. You can go through your job. Um, again, the state has free therapy. There's so many different resources when it comes to therapy. Yeah. But there is a difference between what's therapeutic and what's therapy. Mm. And even for myself, when I was going through some periods when I just started a business, ended a relationship, um, left my old job. It was a lot of, wasn't a lot of security, right? Because uh, I'm leaving a government job and I'm starting my private practice. So I was kind of anxious, like, am I really going to make it? I did that calendar, but I also got into therapy because therapy was helping me process what I was experiencing. As a therapist, I had a therapist. At one time, I had two therapists. I had a woman and I had a man. Oh, wow. Because I wanted to hear different perspectives and really understand what I was processing. Mm. I like that. I like that. Because I think therapy is important. Now, don't get me wrong, I've only been to like two sessions ever in my lifetime. So 2024, a big thing is getting okay. therapy. So we actually evaluating new insurance companies and everything to figure out how we can, you know, make it be most affordable. Mm -hmm. But um, I know those other things I have done and mm -hmm. I continue to do. And I think all of them represent or just our activities expressing self-love. Mm -hmm. So if you take the time to do each of those things, you're going to have time to think. You're going to have time to reflect. You're going to rid toxins out of your body, rid mm -hmm. negative thoughts out of your body. So it is going to put you in a, a better position to be more receptive to positive energy right. and also just give you a completely different perspective of the same messed up situation that you was in the day before. Right. right? right. You in a messed up situation, you suffering, you go work out, you read all of a sudden things ain't that bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Faith kills anxiety. So I, I do agree with Dr. Spirit and you as well with the there you still need them, but it makes sense to put all of the pieces in play. It's like right. getting a full course meal. 
Right. You know, when right. you got all of the food groups and everything. No, nah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I, wa I want to ask you this, man, before I get you up out of here, because I think this is really important, because we got a lot of mothers that watch the platform. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, we, we wanted to touch this. We talked about this a little bit before the show, because, mm -hmm. you know, the the role of a father and we talked about that a bit when jay came on if y'all haven't watched jay barnett's episode the role of a father gotta watch that episode in um a young man's life but i want to kind of talk about that mother's role you know mm -hmm. like because i think they both play a, a part in who he becomes mm -hmm. and just about four or five times in this conversation you referenced childhood mm -hmm. childhood mm -hmm. childhood so obviously that role is important what are some like based upon a role a woman plays or the mother plays in a young in a young man's life how does that uh affect him growing up or how should it impact him as he grows up into mature into a man so we we definitely need balance but because a lot of, there's a lot of single uh, mother households we don't have balance and what's happening what i've noticed is that a lot of times the mother is trying to save herself through her son. Mm -hmm. So I think about a, a mother that may have come to me and talked about how she didn't have a good relationship with her father. She talks about how she didn't have a good relationship with her, her partner. They just had a kid. So now there's parts of herself that are damaged and she's trying to have a relationship and salvage that relationship that she missed with her partner with her son. Mm -hmm. So now she's dependent on her son emotionally to show up for me, to protect me, to provide for me. Let me show you what you need. Whenever there's a threat of another uh, woman in that man's life, she tends to insert herself to show him how to love parts of her that she wasn't loved, right? And that's mm. how the, the, the relationship dynamics get confused. That's how the relationship dynamics get thrown off because there's an unhealthy presence sometimes of a mom because, and she, maybe it's subconscious, maybe it's purposeful, but a lot of times she doesn't have what, he needs because the father is supposed to provide that. So the role of a mother is the, the nurturing part to, to provide the advice, to provide the perspective from a woman's perspective. There's nothing wrong with that. And if sometimes they have to play somewhat of the role of the father, not the full role because he can't, neither one of us can play both roles. We have to be able to show up and we also have to find connections like I say find mentors but I know the way society is now it's tough to find that but you can find it even if I find it I'm going to always lean back to therapy you can find a, a black male therapist or a male therapist that can guide them get on a sports team or something that provides that that male presence that gives that that advice that they need and just have the, the role model of it right um but again, the, the role of the mother is whatever she needs. It's survival at this particular point. But we have to be careful about how sometimes they show when they're overbearing, when they want to, again, save the son, right? Mm. And they think they're protecting the, the son, but they're collaring him. Right? Mm -hmm. They're not allowing him to grow. They're not allowing him to experience life, right? So it has to be a balance. But unfortunately, a lot of relationships, a lot of families don't have balance. And that's what's re where we're stri really struggling. Yeah, it's impacting. I mean, this is according to the ladies that we speak to. Um, I mean, we get countless emails and DMs about this thing, and they're saying that the 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 mothers of these men are impacting their relationships, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whether they getting so deep involved in, you know, the living situation, the decision-making, you know. Uh, basically, a lot of them say just flat out, I feel like I'm competing mm -hmm. with his mom mm -hmm. for time and attention, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I think the guys are very confused about this because, you know, it's a thing like, especially you grew up with your, just your mom. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, that's, you know, it's mom deuce. Like, yeah. you want to do anything for her. You want to mm -hmm. make sure she good. I mean, I think I talked about because Tyshawn, you know, it has uh, his vision to retire his mom. I think all of all of anybody who grew up with a single parent, like, that's what mm -hmm. you want to do. You want to buy your mom a house, a car, and make sure she don't got to work for nobody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, how, as a man, do you balance this? And I don't know if that's even healthy to have that commitment. Because in my mind, it's the same exact thing. Like, I even think about, when I think about my future planning, mm -hmm. I'm like, damn, I really got to get rich because my mom might, she might need to stay with me. So I got to have a, 
the little house, the little guest house, you know what I'm saying? So she ain't got to stay in the crib. So it's, I don't even know if that's healthy, by the way. But as a man, how do you balance that? Like, because you want to be receptive of your queen, your mm -hmm. woman, your, you know, your woman your, that you're intimate with. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you still want to have this love and reverence for your mom as well, who you would not have been here without her sacrifice. Yeah. So how do you balance those things? I think we, because the love is not competitive. Those are two tips, two mm. different types of love, right? And I, I, we are very ignorant about retirement when it comes to our family, right? Right. There are a lot of different resources. We should be thinking about, I mean, if you want to get rich, you say you want to retire my mom, I want to be able to give her her own house. Right. Not the basement. Right. No, right, not, right, 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 not a room inside the house. Not a room house, inside right? the house. No. Right. There's a, <laughs> re, re, retirement facilities. I want to invest in that early before she's in retirement, like insurance and all of that. But um, there is definitely a boundary, and there is a balance between I want to take care of my mom as she's an infant, as she did me, versus I want to make sure my mom is okay. Mm. And that's where the line gets crossed because. Some men struggle with that, and they also feel because of what mom has said, there's this, these words that have been implanted in the man's head that I'm always going to take care of my mom regardless of who is in the picture. Mom comes first. Wife comes first, right? Wife comes first, child, then mom. Wow. Yes. Wife comes first because mom can't dictate how we operate in our house. That's mm -hmm. nothing but conflict and confusion the entire relationship. Like mm. this, this again, there's a lot of layers to that. <laughs> right, wife comes right. first. Like how can I have a healthy relationship when all the decision making is dependent on how my mom feels? Yeah. So how does the mom, because the thing is the channel, right? We got 20 year olds to 70 year olds, right? So we got, you know, women who are both wife and mom, mm -hmm. some of them. So, how does the mother, you know, like how does she need to change her behaviors to, you know, kind of let go of the son to give him some room to kind of do his thing and, and uh, prepare his family for the next generation? First is trust that what they did, that he'll remember the lessons that she taught them. Mm. Like trust that you've done enough work. I even say that like as a therapist. There was a time when I was felt like I couldn't miss any sessions because my clients would suffer. So that means I'm not trusting myself. That's the level of codependency. Like my clients won't make it if I don't show up. My client once said to me, you gave me the tools, allow me to put them into place. Sometimes you are being a crutch because you won't allow me to practice what you taught me. It's the same message for moms. You've done a great job. Allow him to experience life. Allow him to put the tools and the different things that you taught him to in place. And if he doesn't make, if he fails at, at one particular area, he's still okay because you taught him resilience. When we hold on, we don't trust our work. We don't trust how we raised our children. Because they have to experience life. Even if we taught them everything, we felt it's perfect, they're still going to make their own decisions and they're still going to go through life, just like we did. Right. We made it. We're OK. And if we're not, why are we not OK? Because our parents did the same thing that we did that we're doing to our child. Mm -hmm. So it's generational. But again, trust yourself and trust your child that he will implement and make the right decision. Because sometimes we stifle them from being who they need to be because we think we always have to dictate how they move. Mm. Man. Paul, man, thank you so much, brother. No you problem. came up here absolutely and blessed the people today. And actually, we're going to bless the people a little bit more, man, because you got this book here that you have put out in here to the world, A Man's Guide, Dear Future Wife, just so y'all know. A Man's Guide and a Woman's Reference, which I like. Yes. That's this episode. A Man's Guide and a wo Woman's Reference. That absolutely is this episode, man. Tell me about the book, by the way. So I wrote that book again. I started writing in 2000 after that failed, mar failed relationship. Right. I had this idea that I was going to go into college, find my wife, come out of college, get the house, pick a fence. Relationship ended. I started journaling. I started to really do some research on relationships, and I also started to investigate myself, my emotions. A lot of women used to come to me, and we used to talk about, I used to hold dialogues in my apartment and house. And so I started to write about those things. And relationship recovery, right? There's, dear future wife, your words. Like, how you talk to a man, how you feed a soul, how to nurture a man. And the dual responsibility, again, about relationships. 
There's another one. I've never been married, but I had several divorces. The impact of breakups. Not only do I just write, I also do a reflective part, and then I give a workbook assignment for the person that's reading it. It's not just a, 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 you're just reading letters. You're also doing the work because you really need to understand how you're showing up in relationships and what you need from relationships. Wow. So incredible. So what we're going to do, actually, for this one here is um, we're going to give away a signed copy here. So we And can we'll an announce it the following uh, Monday, the following live show after this is released. Yes, yeah, we absolutely that. will. So I, I appreciate that, man. We're going to go ahead and get you John Hancock on here. Okay. But he brought us some books. Yeah. How can they get that? How can they get that book though? We Absolutely. Want to, you want them to email us or or um, for the, we're gonna the have some, We're gonna have some down in the link for him. We're gonna have some down in the link, especially for y'all here. So don't even worry about it. Go, go ahead and fill it out. And um, if you want to go ahead, and we'll select somebody to go about giving these books away to. But I appreciate you coming up here, blessing us my today. My pleasure. My pleasure, brother. Blessing the people, putting this work in the world. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's much love. Flew out here to Atlanta just for the Harley Initiated Show, man. Facts. Yes, Facts. Absolutely yes, appreciate, appreciate that. it. Of course. My so, pleasure. So guys, look, listen, as you guys know, you made it this far into the show. I would love it if you do all the things to help us grow and expand this territory we are investing in. So please continue to subscribe to this channel. Hit that great thumbs up so we could continue to spread this message. And as you know, this Monday and Wednesday... We are also having a live show at 8 p.m. every Monday and Wednesday at 8 p.m. So make sure you're there in real Almost life. Almost 900 members now, too. Man, it Crazy. Is, it's wow. growing, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's growing. The conversation is phenomenal. That's where you actually get to engage with us in real time, ask your questions, and be able to speak with brilliant, brilliant minds just like this brother right here with us. But, guys, listen, our time is up. So you already know, hardly initiated, we are out.